Hello, everyone, and welcome to Monster Hour. I am Quinn, your keeper of monster and mysteries. With me today are Kyle. Hi, I'm Kyle. I play Alvin the Monstrous. Hannah. Hey, I'm Hannah, and I play JR the Crooked. And Tio. Well, hello there, and good news to you all. My name is Tio, and I play Constance the Expert. Before we get started here, Constance, you leveled up last time. Do you know what you're going to take for your advancement? Yes. God, yes. It's going to be really boring, but it's absolutely necessary. I would like to erase one luck point so that I am not doomed. <laughs> Yay! Woo! Wasn't as much fun as he thought it was going to be? <laughs> I mean, I'm having fun with it, but people around me don't seem to be having a good time. We it's are a little suffering. Bit, We're it's a, a family. Little bit like if you shit your pants, after about a minute, you don't smell it anymore, but everyone else still does. And for everyone else's benefit, you should really clean up you're gonna change your pants i've changed my (laughs) metaphorical pants yes (laughs) (laughs) well everyone in the daylight society thanks you (laughs) yes now if only i smelled better (laughs) (laughs) with that i think we can get into it last time the cabal struck back dispatching a contingent of prairie's kindred to assault the studio after bludgeoning their way in with a wrecking ball and tangling with the daylight society The group stole the fragment of disc and fled, leading to a high-speed chase through Firmament. A perfect pit maneuver by JR set off a high-stakes standoff on the bridge over the Elkhorn, and while Constance was able to recover the disc, there was some collateral damage in the process. Meanwhile, Alvin made his escape from the icy clutches of the Winter Court. After saving Mr. Blue and coaxing Sarah out of her ursin rage, the three of you escaped from the snow-swept Avalon into the mayhem of Apocalypse World. You disabled the dual semi-war engine, hijacked a scout car, wrecked a handful of pursuit vehicles, and sent Moon packing with a well-placed harpoon javelin before reaching the exit back to mundane Earth. Alvin, the three of you stumble out from the door of hands into the moonscape. The clock on your phone says it is 11.30 a.m., the day of the unveiling. Just a few hours left. You also have about 50 or 60 messages from the Daylight Society. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Studio ding, ding, under ding. attack. Back wall is gone. Kindred, <laughs> fall back. Is everyone okay? Where is everyone? And finally, one from Leon. Regroup outside the lab. I was going to say, I kind of expect there's some like panicked selfies of Leon running away as a like <laughs> with Moriarty giving a wink from a wrecking ball cabin <laughs> behind him, the wall falling apart. People need to know. Constance what in a rage. <laughs> that <gasps> is not canon. But Dang. I do love it a lot. <laughs> Get in the car. Draw some fan even, art. <laughs> even, even Leon is not that ridiculous. Yeah. So the three of you make your way out of the moonscape and head across town. And I think just as you are reaching the rendezvous point, the rally point that Leon set up, I think he sent you like a, a pin on the map. It's in the, the forest outside of the lab. Pretty close to where the consensus wolf attacked those kids back in Arc 2. You more or less run into JR and Constance, the recently recovered fragment of disc in tow. Y'all don't look so hot. What? Hello. I'm back. Great. We made it. We made it. Got some great news. Yeah? What's what's the news? Well, the news is I know the three things they need to break the seal. Cool. What, What do they need? Okay, first thing you need, get this, magic. 
Yep. Figured. A lot of it. Okay. Like all of other world type, a lot of it. Two, they need a conduit, something to focus this magic. Three, they need like a Gandalf, like a Merlin, some kind of sorcerer, very powerful to do the ritual. So, I mean, I figure we find whichever one of those three things we think we can knock out of the picture and that takes the whole plan down with it, right? I'm wondering if my mom's tattoo is how they're pulling magic. If you say they need that much magic. She's the conduit. Pretty pretty powerful conduit, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, or a conduit. Yeah. yeah. It could be. Maybe they need multiple conduits if they need so much magic. Yeah. We now know. They've got, wait a minute, they've got connections to all three of the other planes, don't they? Yes, they do. Okay, super. Hey, you know how we'll find out? Hmm. If we just go get down there. This is a learn by doing thing, I think, at this point. Great. Uh, If that's all settled, could I please have a band and Alvin falls down? (laughs) Oh. Uh, I think Sarah and Mr. Blue catch you. You are still unstable, actually. Yes. And so you're going to need treatment soon. And <laughs> yes, true. Mr. Blue looks at the three of you and says, we should get inside. I, if I can meet back up with Georgiana, I should be able to at least patch up these wounds. Okay. You all head into the forest. And uh, after just, you know, maybe 10 minutes of, of walking down one of these trails that just sort of runs into the forest, you come across a small clearing and you can see the beleaguered members of the Daylight Society gathered around. Leon, Cecilia, Jasper, Stan, Jenny, Eve, Bree, Pax, Kristen, Galvan, and Georgiana. Nice. They're all gathered around like a comically large rollout map, like schematics or blueprint. And when you all arrive in this clearing, their sort of attention breaks uh, and everyone rushes over to greet you. Glad to see everyone's alive. Uh, you as well. How'd the chase go? Leon says. Well, well, we got the disc, the fragment of the disc, and that's, so that's good. That's great. What happened? Uh, Everything. I saw like 50 messages, but I didn't really read all of them. There's a lot of messages, you know. Uh, Mr. Blue, your kindred showed up and uh, they were not fucking around. Some could say that even though kind is in the name of kindred, they certainly weren't (laughs) kind today. They were (laughs) mean-dred. Yes. Yes. On our journey into Otherware, we learned that, unfortunately, it appears that there's been a a changing of the guard in Otherware. The Winter Court, Prairie and his partners, they're in control now. Yeah, it's, it's Narnia now. Yeah. Anyway, they tried to take the shard, and Moriarty had a literal wrecking ball, and then we chased them, and we caught them, we hit the car, and we made the car stop, and then Constance went and grabbed the disc, and uh, here we are. Right, Constance? Constance has that um, glazed-over eye look of, like, there is no soul in here now. The studio is more of a concept than a reality right now. But we're all still here, and we have one objective, which is to stop them from breaking the seal. We know the three things they need, and I will be handling my mother. I call dibs on that. I'm really sorry to hear about what happened to the studio. I know how much that meant to you, but I sure am glad to see that you're okay. Okay is a relative term at this point, but needless to say, I think we're all going to want a bath bomb after this. Yep. Oh, I had one other thing that it's probably important for you and everybody to know is our good friend Dorian. Yeah, I know. 
Turns out he's still kind of important to what we're trying to do. Uh, remember that vision that I that I said when they were making the seal? Mm-hmm. And how it needed five things, and one of them was was a kindred. Mm-hmm. And how Dorian is like super old. Mm-hmm. He was that. He was there. That was him. The Montebank was there at the sealing of of magic. He was cool. one of the five stars. So might be important. Uh, you know what? Let's figure that out when I I choose to believe that this is a recipe that will accept some substitutions. This is not like the time that I might tried to make braised leeks and I didn't have any white wine, so I used white wine vinegar. And let me tell you, that was a bad substitution. And that <laughs> recipe was not very good. We have Kindred. We do not have to have Dorian. That doesn't exactly square with your analogy. So we've got white wine vinegar. No, we have it's white be, wine. It's we have white wine, and I gesture at Mr. Blue. We have white wine. It just might be boxed white wine. We have I was it. Just, if there's a world where you maybe, I don't know, planted a bug on him or kept a hold of a number, some sort of back door that we could nope. contact him. Did not. Maybe Definitely a did sort not. of useful sort of nope. thing. Nope. I told him to get the fuck out of my town. And he did. Because Prairie really doesn't like him and kind of an enemy of our enemy. Is our friend. Kind of useful. <laughs> yeah. Having Dorian on our side, not the weirdest thing that's going to happen for me today. It's not. I just can't be the one to make that call since I'm the one who like sort of banished him. But could that call be made? We can make that call. You don't have to if you don't want to see him. This is Dorian. a little bit like an ex. Dorian! <laughs> nope, it's not working. Just point of order for us as players. We don't have a way of contacting him, right? No. No. He okay. left. <laughs> he, not that you know not of. Not that we know of. Yeah. We strong-armed him into letting everybody go from their contract, and he walked off. Yep. Yeah. All right. Uh, does anybody else want to try to heal Alvin? Mr. Blue said he was going to do it. Yeah. Yes. Oh, so okay. upon your arrival and rendezvous with Georgiana, Mr. Blue takes her hand and then places one on your torso, Alvin, where the metal mouth bit you and go ahead and heal one harm. Hooray! I think Leon gestures to this big unfurled blueprint, the schematic, and says, I know you just got here and we need to sort of get our bearings, but we don't have a whole lot of time. We've been working while you were gone, finishing all the details on the plan that you had talked about, Constance. Do we need to make any adjustments, or are we still splitting up team infiltration and team sabotage? So last time you all had discussed basically splitting the team as Constance, JR, Alvin, Kristen, Pax, Mr. Blue, Georgiana, and Sarah on the infiltration squad. Mm -hmm. And then on team sabotage are Leon, Cecilia, Jasper, Stan, Eve, Jenny, and Bree. Okay. Mm -hmm. And team sabotage can both create a distraction for you all to get in, as well as attempt to stop anything that happens above ground. Okay. Ooh, I like that. I Quinn? think that makes sense. Quinn, point of order. How are we communicating? Are we retconning that we have some walkie-talkies with us? I imagine that's all part oh, of planning. Yeah. Okay. Leon's got like 20 walkie-talkies. Okay, perfect. Okay. <laughs> so basically, if you all want to make adjustments to the plan that you laid out, or any sort of last-minute preparations, this is the time, because you've got about less than two hours before the unveiling starts. 
I'd okay. like Mr. Blue's assistance with uh, disguises, at least for myself and Sarah. Uh, yes, and this is something actually that uh, we discussed off mic, but for the listeners, the Daylight Society has a couple little perks that they can offer the hunters here. Uh, one of those is <laughs> Mr. Blue, as y'all are gearing up, pulls a large leather-bound briefcase, opens it up, and inside are about a dozen masks Ooh. and says- I've been working on these in, in the lead up. They should provide us with some cover so we aren't immediately recognized, especially the three of you. Uh, it's possible that Kindred could see through it, but not easily. And certainly any human shouldn't be able to tell the difference. Astounding Thank work, you. Mr. Blue. You're here. Happy to help. I would like to heal at all possible, maybe? If any of you are unstable, you can go ahead and untick that. But okay. otherwise, I think the only healing that's going to be possible at this point is by JR. Okay. Well, you want to roll the dice? Literally? Hey. Hey. If you're, if you're offering up the juice, yeah. I'll sip from the, the <laughs> juice box. The what? <laughs> the magic. Give me the sippy cup box. of magic. Yes, right. the sippy cup. The sippy okay. cup of magic. Give me all these magic. Um, all right. That's a 13. Hey! And I have advanced. Yes, hey. which means I will offer you an added benefit. Uh, I think it's pretty simple. You can heal two harm for Constance here. Woo. How you feeling, Constance? Mmm, apple juice. <laughs> <laughs> Not the answer that I was expecting. Good. Okay, all right, cool. Thank you. JR? Alvin, yeah? Fix the hole where the metal mouth bit me in the desert. Yeah. It's a long story. It's okay. Well, it used to be a car. I would like you to stay alive but then so it was I can a mouth. hear you tell me the story about. Uh, I mean, that does kind of <laughs> sound like you've just told me the story, but. Okay. No. That's a 10. Hoo-hoo. Okay. <laughs> Alvin, heal one harm. Hooray. No consequences, JR. Yeah. You're getting so good at magic Ooh. now. <laughs> <laughs> like you don't see it right away but like jr's like hyperventilating a little bit because she was super worried about healing both of you in this short span of time <laughs> like <laughs> i need a paper bag to breathe into <laughs> no problem sweat drenched suit <laughs> yep uh yeah i get a mask and i'm all i'm ready to go i also do a mask yeah yeah, yeah I, I figure does, all yeah are. yeah I think, JR, as you are running the, the healing train here, Leon comes over and, and sort of circles up with you all and says, All right, the sabotage team, we're gonna we're gonna head out. I'll radio you when we're ready to make the distraction, draw some, some heat away so you can get inside. Um Good luck. I hug Leon. He looks surprised for a moment and then he hugs you back. Yeah, me too. Thanks, Art Girl. I hug both of you at the same time. Both of us? Okay, yeah. Everybody. Yeah. Alvin oh, hugs okay. everybody. Okay. Alvin hugs everyone. <laughs> he calls for a once. group hug. He gets a big, big arm group hug. You all have a, a very nice group hug. And Leon flashes a, a cheeky smile and says, All right, time to go save the world. We see a firmament general ambulance cross the bridge over the Elkhorn towards CNL. 
It passes surreptitiously by an FPD patrol car as it approaches the campus, scarcely drawing a second glance. It comes to a stop at the edge of the lawn, where a growing crowd of people are gathered in a temporary event space just outside the lab. Cecilia throws it into park, takes a deep breath, and knocks twice on the rear of the cab. The back doors open and Jenny steps out, bass guitar strapped to her back and two portable amplifiers in her hands. The rest of the roots follow suit and quickly begin assembling a temporary stage atop the ambulance. As they do, we can hear clanking and ratcheting from inside the vehicle. We pan inside to see Jasper and Stan positioning what appears to be a portable cannon towards the event. Oh my god. <laughs> what? It's just a few minutes before everyone's in position. The fuck yeah. Yes. Are you ready? Cecilia whispers into the walkie-talkie. Kyle nods vigorously. It's go time, Leon says. Jenny strikes a chord and it echoes out across the CNL campus. The crowd turns and begins to murmur. Tension firmament! Imagine Labs is using you! Don't let some trendy headset make you a pawn in their techno-capitalist world domination scheme! As Roots in the Air lays down a grungy punk melody to complement her words, the cannon fires, sending a large canister sailing into the event, which erupts in a large plume of smoke. Amidst the chaos, the event security detail springs in action, quickly converging towards the ambulance and away from the facility. This is your opening. Y'all are positioned just sort of outside of the campus. I think you can see the event, although not in great detail, and you can see the security officers moving away from the building towards this threat. What do you all do? Reading a bad situation. I would like to do that. (laughs) As we're moving, I want to just survey my surroundings. I have eyes. I can walk and and look at the same time. Okay, give me a roll to read a bad situation. Can you? Well, we'll see. Actually, I can do it quite well today because that's a good old 13 for you. Oh, wow. And I do have advanced on that. Yeah. On a 10 plus hold three and on a 12 plus advanced, you can ask the keeper any question you want about the situation, not just the ones listed. Right. So as you are sort of surveying the scene from a distance, what do you want to know? I would like to know if we are currently being watched by anybody. No. Okay. Are we using like what is the best way in? It really depends on how you want to approach it. You know, based on the blueprints and schematics that Kristen laid out, you're going to need to reach the central elevator, which goes down to the restricted section. You can do that by trying to sneak in the front entrance, uh, sort of using your disguises. The front entrance, as you'll recall, is sort of like a public area, so there's not quite the same degree of scrutiny. JR, you know from your previous encounters and and via Kristen that there's a receptionist and there's probably security on call, but uh, with this distraction, probably not going to be as significant. The other option would be to go over the wall and in through one of the courtyards and use one of the employee entrances there. The trick there is just going to be not getting spotted because you will be very obviously breaking in, but uh, there will be fewer people around. So there's really two best options, uh, and it really just depends on how you want to approach it. But either way, you need to get to that central elevator. Okay. I think with a large group, we may need to go in the front because there's a lot of people that would have to be able to up and over the wall and not get spotted. I think that makes infiltrating easier than just like a steady stream of people going in the back entrance. Okay, I have one more question I could ask. Are all the guards human? Ooh, yeah. How many magic users are we encountering during this sneak fest? 
So the information is still dependent on the context of the situation. <laughs> and I don't think you can know that just by sort of looking at the exterior of this scene from a distance. Mm. Okay. Um, Kindred are very good at looking like humans. So. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what's, what's the best way out in case we need to do that? Uh, best way out, you probably do want to go over the wall. Because uh, mm-hmm. I, I think you all are assuming at some point you're going to get caught. I mean, yeah. if you don't get caught, you can go out however you want. But there's <laughs> going to be a lot fewer people on the perimeter, and it'll be a guessing game for them about which way you're going to break. Yeah. Got it. Okay, cool. All right. We make for the front entrance. All right. So the infiltration team, you all move in in your disguises and head towards the front entrance. I think as you get a little bit closer. Alvin, I appreciate your enthusiasm, but Alvin, let's... Oh, quiet. Okay, yes. Yes. Yes, thank you. One of us is already glowing, so we don't need any additional signs that maybe we don't belong. But good energy, Alvin. Good energy. It's like a middle-aged woman wearing like outdoorsy hiking gear coming up to the front entryway going. As you all draw closer, you can tell that there are uh, probably upwards of a thousand people gathered on this gently sloping hillside outside CNL, where a temporary but sleek event space has been set up. There's a stage. It's, it's empty, pretty much save for a, a podium. There's several big towering screens that are angled out to face different parts of the crowd. The vibe is somewhere between like a gaming expo, a TED talk, and an outdoor music festival. And it it looks like there's one sort of point of entry where people's bags are being checked, and the rest of it is cordoned off by like the the faux plastic white picket fence. And you can see that there are a couple FPD vehicles stationed outside around the exterior. Mm -hmm. But you uh, head towards the lab. You enter in through the large, oversized sliding glass doors. You'll recall the foyer into the lab is this expansive, almost cavernous space that is largely glass before you get into the much more sterile and fluorescent interior of the lab. The small coffee cart to the right is brimming with energy and not just because of the late afternoon cappuccinos. There's a lot of people who are getting some beverages and and watching the crowd grow. To the left, where the Imagine Labs demo space was previously, there's just a big billboard that says Imagine Labs VR headset unveiling today. And straight ahead of you, there is the receptionist, who Constance, I think you remember, is named Ada. Uh, And there's just quite a few people just sort of like milling about in a vaguely excited energy in this space. What do you all do? We walk in a very normal way. I don't know how you guys are walking, but I'm walking exactly like human beings do. <laughs> yeah, definitely. You put a foot down, and then you lean forward, and you put weight on that foot, and then you pick up the back foot, and then you swing it forward, and you put that down. So the trick here is going to be getting past this receptionist. Uh, it, mm-hmm. it is very clear who is sort of walking past to go back. And if you don't distract her or, or say something... You'll draw attention to yourselves, despite your best efforts to just walk like a normal human. <laughs> this sounds like a job for not Alvin. Oh, dear. I would like to pull out my cell phone and call the front desk. Okay. You place the call, and Ada picks up the phone. Colorado National Laboratory, front desk. How may I help you? Hi, yes. So I'm with C245Net the media van uh, outside. We're having some technical difficulties picking up your feed. I was told that we would have certain 
uh, allowances put in place for the media for this event. And I have been directed three times now by others here to call the front desk. So uh, how do we mediate this situation? Oh, my apologies. Uh, Unfortunately, I'm not the right contact. I will transfer you to the uh, event manager. The event manager was the one who told me to sent to be sent over to the front desk. I have a feeling that this here is an attempt to limit the availability of the local press at this event in hold, favor please. of national press. And she puts you on hold. <laughs> Damn, it. Damn it. She's a professional. Okay. <laughs> ah, okay. And a few moments later, you are transferred to the event manager oh, for the uh, event outside for the unveiling. All right. Okay, fine. Put come on. Go go ahead now. <laughs> Give me the event manager. Um <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> Hey, how's it going? My name's Lance. How can I help you today? Hey Lance, I don't know. Uh Do y'all remember Lance? Was Lance Lance was the guy backstage <laughs> at the yep. Ritz in the Air. Yeah. Oh, Did my you gosh. stab yes. Lance? Did sta- Lance stab you? <laughs> Yeah, you stabbed Lance. Yeah, you, sta- oh, you stabbed each other, yeah. I think. Well, yes. bygones. What are you going to do, stab me? And then he did stab you. So. <laughs> I'm Look, glad to happened. see Lance is still employed. That's good. I think Tri- Trixie actually stabbed you, but... Oh, okay. Okay. Well, good, well, good for you, Lance. Anyway. <laughs> Fine. Okay. This is Lance. How may I help you today? Can I get you like some olives or like uh, maybe some sparkling water? Hey, Lance. No, no, no. Th- thank you. That's all so nice. Super weird. Don't know why I was transferred to you. Uh, I was just talking to the receptionist about rescheduling a research presentation, and she was going to transfer me to the right person, and I guess she transferred me to the wrong one. Mind uh, throwing me back over to the receptionist real quick? I'm sorry. I don't have the main number. Did you need something for the the event? I'm happy to help you with that. No, no. Again, charcuterie? Have him walk over and ask. (laughs) Yeah, it's super weird. Can Can you actually walk over to the receptionist? I can't. No, sorry. I'm extremely busy. <laughs> All right. Well, no worries there, Lance. Have a good day. <laughs> Take care. Lance. Lance. We should, we should go. Like, assuming he's still there, I would like to take him up on his olives and his chicory <laughs> plate because I'm, yeah, I'm a little peckish and we didn't get to stop for snacks. Okay, here we go. I just walk over the corner where there's a trash bin and I throw a lit match into it. I'm just going to go old okay. school. <laughs> Give me a roll to act under pressure. All right. Just like the health center. God. <laughs> it's Play the eight. hits. Hey. It's a cyclical. It's yeah, Narratives that's why I was cyclical. like, deep, deep cuts, deep cuts. This worked before, sort of. It's all deep cuts. Yeah. Uh, on a seven to nine, I will offer you a worse outcome, a hard choice, or a price to pay. Okay. Jer, I think you're going to distract quite a few people with this, but the opening <laughs> is not going to be enough for, for everyone. So I think either this is going to draw attention to you, very specifically, or there will be a commotion, but it won't be enough for everyone on your team to make it. Quinn, give us a number. Like, give us a hard number. Make us, like... Mr. Blue and Georgiana will not make it through. Okay. I think that's... Mr. Blue and Georgiana can keep a radio and go for the wall. Yeah. Yep. All right. Let's do it. Okay. You very surreptitiously start this trash can fire. And, uh, <laughs> it is the two effective. most conspicuous among us won't make it. The person who is not human and the person who hasn't been in the modern world ever. <laughs> yeah, uh, unsurprisingly, uh, there is a commotion. I think it, it takes a couple seconds for this to really go up. But when it does, it bursts into flames. Uh, and there's definitely a, a hubbub. 
And the receptionist doesn't leave her her post, so to speak, but she is distracted. And so the majority of you are able to slip past in mm-hmm. your disguises. Uh, but I think Mr. Blue and Georgiana are are not, as Alvin said, are just not as sort of cued into the ebbs and flows of modern society. And yeah. so they're the last ones to start heading there and uh, they get stopped. And I think as the six of you are headed down the hallway, Georgiana holds up a hand and just waves you on, like, go on, All go right. on without us. Yeah. All right, we make it through. Quinn, where are we? The three of you, along with Kristen, Pax, and Sarah, make your way down the main hallway of the principal administrative building. And before not too long, you find yourself at the primary elevator. There are a few people milling about, uh, and there are some security cameras, but there doesn't appear to be any security posted. As you approach, you hear your walkie-talkie click twice which you recall is the signal from the sabotage team to respond if you are in a position to do so. Sidekick, sidekick, do you read us? Do you, do you read us over? Yeah, hey, uh, it's it's Leon. Yes. Uh, I'm tucked away in a, a corner. Even I managed to, to get inside of the event without getting checked by security. I think everyone else has been arrested at this point, so I think it's it's just <laughs> us. But did it work? Are you in? Uh, yeah, we're in. We're in. Yeah, yeah, we're in. yeah. Good, good job. Good. Okay. So far, so good over here, I, I guess. Uh, I don't see any members of the, the cabal here. People are just sort of waiting for things to get started. Um, everyone has a headset. What? Like, they all have the headsets. They all have, not like the one Alvin described with all the weird cords and stuff, but they all have Imagine Labs headsets. Oh. That's bad. Yeah, that's... I, I thought so. Well... Leon, as much as it pains me to say this, I do trust your judgment. I think it would be useful if you could get your hands on one. Under no circum- Okay, do not put that on. If you do, I will break both of your thumbs. So don't do that. Roger that. Um... I like my thumbs. They're good for tweeting. They uh, are. Sounds good. Yeah, and they're good for holding stuff, too. It's really hard to hold a camera. You don't have thumbs that are functional. You might also want to think about if there's some way for you to get everybody to take those off. I don't know what that would look like. I, you don't, if you can't come up with anything, Leon, that's okay. But if you get any like bright ideas about how to get everybody to take those fucking things off, yeah, go, I'll, I'll do go my best. Go for it. I will bail you out. Also, please stay safe, Leon. I, I, if you don't, I will also break your thumbs. There's just going to be like parameter of, don't put the headset on, don't get hurt. Your thumbs okay. stay intact. Roger that, Jr. Jackalope out. <sighs> All right. Well, that sounds promising, everyone. Okay, we got to move quick. Uh huh. As you all are approaching the primary elevator, I think taking this moment, Kristen also pulls you aside and says. Okay, so we're fine up here when we get down to the restricted section. CNL is high-tech. They don't have a lot of security just patrolling around, but they do monitor those cameras quite closely. If we can get to the security office, I might be able to disable them, but it'll be guarded. Otherwise, we can try to disable or destroy the cameras when we're down there. It would probably be beneficial if we could get like a tight loop going in the camera feed or something like that. Ooh, yeah. Okay. I don't know if that's something if we can tap into the line or I presume we need to get to one of a security hub of some kind. Yeah, if you can get me to the security office and, and take care of anyone who's there, I can disable all the cameras. But we'll have to take care of any of the guards there. 
we should be able to handle that pretty quickly. And I look at Sarah. Without drawing suspicion. Well. Ideally. Uh, <laughs> at some point, Okay. That's, now, see, you've complicated mm. the whole thing. <laughs> if they're asleep, they're not drawing suspicion. Sure. Yeah. A question, though. Disabling the cameras is not quite the same thing as putting them on a loop. Kristen, do you think you could put them on a loop? Because that's the least suspicious. Buys us a little more time. Yeah. I think functionally, yeah. Yeah, so basically the options are if you take Kristen to the security office on the main floor, she can put them on a loop and basically cover your tracks, but there are officers there and you'll have to do something to sort of stop them. Sure. Or you can head down to the restricted section right away and try to disable the cameras or destroy them while you're down there. I say option one. Solving this problem right now, option one, covers for a lot of oopsies later. (laughs) Yep. Okay. Kristen leads you uh, down another hallway, past a couple twists and turns, and very shortly you are outside of a small windowed office with just a whole ton of monitors. There are three people inside. They are dressed in Navy fatigues, Navy coveralls, and uh, JR, I think you recognize Charles, the head of security for CNL. Man, fuck that guy. All three of them are seated at desks. Charles, sort of one in in the back, and then two other officers closer towards the monitors. There are two doors leading in. Both of them are going to be in sight of either Charles or the the two other officers. Mm -hmm. If anyone would like to read a bad situation, you certainly can Uh do that. Constance? Uh, Constance? Sure. That is again a 13. (laughs) Holy shit. Okay. Very good. Three questions, anything you like. It's coming back around. How do we distract Charlie? What's his weakness? (laughs) I think in advance of this, Kristen pulled up the personnel file for Charles. He is a pretty consummate professional uh, when it comes to security. So you'll need to convince him that there is a serious threat somewhere in the lab that Mm -hmm. needs his immediate undivided attention to get him to leave this space. Okay, great. Is there a place we can hide the sleeping security guards? Yeah. there. Okay. I mean, you could hide them under desks, under closets, uh, under closets. That's not words. Um, <laughs> you could hide them under desks, in closets. There's a handful of places that you could hide them that wouldn't be uh, sort of immediately visible from outside or if you just walked in. If mm-hmm. someone searched the room, they'd find them. But Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, are there any dangers we haven't noticed? Uh, no, for once. Oh, uh, my at God. At least in this particular situation that you are reading, no. There are three people in here. They're armed, but there's really nothing else to worry about besides those three. Great. Okay. I'm wondering if we can. I mean, I know one of the glitches of Use Magic is draw immediate unwelcome attention, but can we intentionally, uh, sa- I, maybe, can we summon another Verkalakis into, <laughs> oh, <laughs> or God. like summon a raccoon? <laughs> You know? I don't know if that would be a high security <laughs> risk, though. I well, just like twenty it... raccoons. That is clearly yeah. a security. Summon a big raccoon and have and... it like run down the hallway, and then cons- I don't know what your yeah. disguise is. Uh, uh, that's a good point. Let's... Mine's kind of an outdoorsy middle aged middle aged woman, so I could yell, "Oh, look at uh, help!" That's true. There's a raccoon running over that. Look. <laughs> I love Quinn, that. I, also... I would like to summon a large raccoon into the world. Oh God. As a fan of your characters, I will tell you that a large raccoon is not going to do it for Charles. Damn. A, no, okay. I mean, I don't mean like large raccoon size. I mean like Great like Dane sized. size raccoon. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, like, no, no, no. Mm, I'm not like a oh, super this is natu- like 
Yeah, this is Jeff out there. We feed Jeff every so every day. We're talking like not supposed quick, to. I'm talking dire about a, raccoon. Yes. Do you yes. wanna? Do you, would you rather fight ten raccoon-sized horses or one horse-sized raccoon? Because that's what's coming. Uh, but hold on, hold on. Important caveat: This is magic. It should be one that responds to your commands, Jr., so that it doesn't come after us. Can you do that? As summon a monster does not guarantee you have no. control over yeah. the monster. I it will tell you not. very clearly. It's not. Yeah. And that's going to be for any kind of monster that we summon. So at yeah. least a raccoon. You know, if we summon a Burgalakis, like we're in, we're in a lot of trouble there. With a raccoon, we're all up on our rabies shots, right? What if you did a, right? I mean, I guess a bear is big and normal sized thing. We have but a bear. But a big over raccoon this. is very we, funny. We have a bear. We do I'm, actually have a bear. No, but I don't yeah, want it. Yeah, it's a bit redundant. Her. A bit redundant, except. Sarah looks a little offended. <laughs> no, Sarah, Sarah, I mean, an you expendable are a valued bear. member of this team, yeah. too. You're super. I mean, I like, just... I'm right here, guys. Okay. Like, but, but we don't want into, him to Like, she, her you. fangs start growing. No, it's She's like, I can turn into a bear, like, anytime. Like, no, is this big raccoon for you? Although, hold on. I will say that actually isn't the worst idea that that is non-magical is to just have Sarah, Sarah run by as a bear yeah. and then stop being a bear and be right like, yeah, the went that way. <laughs> the bear went that way. Well, that's mean, not a bad idea. It's not, not a bad, not a bad idea. idea. Sarah, how do you feel about that? I can do that. That sounds great. Awesome. She She's just so starts down. running down the hallway. Okay, uh, it's happening. <laughs> She's got that Hughes energy. Yeah. And as she does, her her muscles burst outward and hair just springs forth from every inch of her body and her, her snout extends, her teeth extend, and she becomes this mammoth oversized grizzly bear and stampedes past the windows of the security office. And you see Charles does a double take. Wait, what and then the? Holy throws shit. open one of the closets, grabs a shotgun. And kicks open the door to the office. Does he take anybody with him as backup against a big fucking bear? Oh, yeah, sorry. And you you hear him shout, and and one of the others grabs a shotgun, and the two of them run out of the security office, leaving just one person inside. And they start running down the hallway and towards the corner where Sarah just turned. Hughes energy. I I jog into the security room, and and I look outdoorsy. Yes. (laughs) My bear! My bear! Where'd she go? (laughs) Hey. You're not supposed to be in here, man. What are you? I'm panting. I'm panting. Get up. No, it just, it got me a little bit. My bear, I just, it. Turn around and walk out right now. No, come here. Come here. He draws his pistol. (laughs) I'd leap and just punch him in the face. Okay, there we go. Give me a kick some ass. I was going to say. Yes, Yes, our big beefy boy. My bear. <laughs> uh, that is. Yeah. What what kind of lie was that? <laughs> it was an Alvin Hughes lie. That's an it was. Eight, it that, so was. That's an eight. Kick I mean, this ass. dude did see the bear as well. I imagine. Did see so. the bear and yeah. <laughs> On a seven to nine, you trade harm as established. So this person fires two or three shots before you collide with them and sure. just take them to the ground. I think you just knock him unconscious. Like, yeah. he's a security officer, but he's not like a highly trained one, sure. at least for combat. Like, he's trained to watch the monitors. But, fan of your characters, like, gunfire. Yep. Gunfire in the building. That's so, loud. your time is limited. Okay, Kristen. Do the loop de loop. Kristen runs inside and starts uh, hammering away at one of the computers and is, is just working furiously. 
Somebody give me a roll plus luck. So 2d6 plus one half of your remaining luck. Well, that should definitely not be me. <laughs> Probably not. To see how fast Kristen is able to accomplish this, because yeah. there's no mechanical roll for Alvin? her doing this. I have four left. I have three left, so I think you should okay, roll then. I'll go. 10. On a 10 plus, I think Kristen is able to do this with great alacrity, with great speed. It's like less than a minute before she has all of these security cameras, the like 50 or 60 cameras in here on a loop. Nice. And she says, all right, let's go, let's go, come on. And just before Charles and his compatriot round the corner back around, you all are out of the office. Well, I hope Sarah got away. Yeah. Do we? This- you do not see Sarah with yeah, them. That's but a good sign. And they're alive. So that's also a good sign. You're not sure where she is. Yeah. That's okay. I kind of figured that we went in with eight. We would kind of shed people until we got near our destination. What do you all do? We got to keep going. Yeah, we got to keep going. Like, let's. T- time is money. Money is pizza. Let's go. <laughs> the five of you, the three of you plus Kristen and Pax, head back to the main elevator board it, and head down into the restricted section. Hey folks, Quinn here. Thanks so much for tuning in to episode 57 of Monster Hour, as our intrepid heroes at long last make their way into the depths of CNL. I've got a few announcements, but I'll keep this short and sweet to get you right back to it. As always, I want to thank everyone for helping spread the word about the show by leaving us a rating and review, giving us a shout on social media, and recommending the show to a friend. The real monster is that we are probably done with new characters for this season, Uh, but we would still be tickled midnight blue to see folks tweeting about the show using hashtag MonsterHourPod. I also want to give a special shout out to our latest Patreon supporters, May, Megan C., and Sam Palmer. As we speak or as I speak these pre-recorded words into your ear, I suppose, I am editing our next NPC backstory episode, and it is a banger, y'all. If you're not already a patron, you can support us by going to patreon.com slash monster hour or by clicking the link in the show notes. If you're listening to this episode on the day it comes out, then it is almost September, which means that International Podcast Month is right around the corner. IPM is an annual celebration of indie podcasting where creators come together to collaborate on awesome new content. And once again, I was thrilled to represent Monster Hour in not one, but two actual play one shots. I GM'd a game of Quietus, a game of melancholy horror by Ollie Jeffrey, where an unlikely trio find themselves on the getaway of a lifetime aboard the luxury space station Peregrination. The amenities are stellar, the views celestial, and the horror existential. You can also catch me playing a deposed former knight who also happens to be a very fancy crane in the Woodland Adventure game Root. The release schedule hasn't been finalized yet, but keep your eyes on our social media to catch those episodes when they come out. That's all I've got for you this week, folks. We'll be back with episode 58 of Monster Hour on September 14th. See you then. As we're in the elevator, I am going to draw both weapons so that when the doors open, I am ready for action. I also have one of my daggers out mm-hmm. in my hand from my wrist thingy. I don't think Kristen knows exactly where in the restricted section the seal would be located, but it's a good bet that it would be on the bottom level, which is both highly classified and also kind of a, a menagerie of different things. Like, a lot of the upper levels of the restricted section are distinct areas, like hazardous material storage. Uh, I forget what I said, you know, 
fucking years ago when JR was in here. But <laughs> they're very like large and discrete sections. But the last level is sort of miscellaneous almost. Mm-hmm. You have given us, I'm trying to remember if we, if we saw this in action. I suppose we did when Pax was sneaking around in our stuff to get the piece of the seal. But Pax has a brass sextant that can perceive and measure magical energy. Yes, another one of the perks from the <laughs> members of your team. Uh, um, Pax does have a brass sextant that can measure magical energy. So it seems to me like this might be a good place to start using that in a way like a magical Geiger counter. That's what I was thinking. If we're looking for the seal that holds magic at bay, it would probably light that sextant up like JR's arm. Yep. As the elevator reaches the bottom floor, the doors slide open with a, a gentle hum. And before you is a dimly lit branching hallway with just a variety of doors, many of which are unlabeled. You can see the security cameras that are posted up, almost an excessive amount of them. Boy, uh, and they're all on. It. <laughs> uh, but you know that because of uh, Kristen's work that they are on a, a loop. And so you do not need to worry about those. Pax holds up the sextant to their eye and looks through and almost immediately like recoils and they press their hands to their eye. Oh no, um, it's too bright. Like, There's so much magic down here. It's it's almost difficult to see. It, it's definitely down towards the end here. We should just, we should head that way. How's your key doing, JR? Yeah, JR, if you hold out your key, it is glowing quite brightly, more brightly than you are. Oh, well, uh, that's, and, that's a good distraction from, you know, me. And it is thrumming with energy. Yes, it is directly tied to the seal. What's that, Lassie? There's magic down the well? <laughs> <laughs> Point of order, who has the, the shard of the seal right now? Who's carrying you the tote bag? You probably have it. Cousin. I'm assuming I'm carrying it. Okay. I'm going to take it out of the tote bag. I want to see what's happening to it. Alvin gets very excited. Oh, you brought the shard. Nice. Yeah. For starters, Constance, when you hold it, you feel this sense of potency. You feel like you could could accomplish anything if you set your mind to it. Oh, that's nice. The world would reshape itself to your desires. And as you're holding it, you can see very clearly that around it is that field, like heat waves on the horizon, just bending Mm. and twisting anything you see through it. And you can see faintly, there's like little bits of of swirling color too. And it is uh, extending outwards about six inches. Okay. I want to tuck it into my little wrist knife contraption so I can reach it if needed, but it's not visible to folks. Sure. Okay. Aww. Sorry, Alvin. It went away. Okay. I yeah. know. You love Alvin, that. Alvin, it is particularly enticing to you. <sighs> I know. Well, it's okay. We'll get it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay. Let's go forward. I know. I'm very into excited the, for this Into big the one. magic. Just right into it. Nothing bad will happen with this amount of magic. I'm sure everything will be fine. We will all be fine. Let's walk towards towards the magic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You all make your way down this hallway, Pax occasionally bringing the sextant up to their eye, alternating between eyes to divine the path. It only takes you a few minutes to reach the end of one of these branches. And in front of you is a unassuming door that just says, Dr. Vol. Oh, he's a doctor. Oh, he's a doctor. 
course he's a doctor. And I bet he calls himself <laughs> doctor. I bet he's on an airplane and somebody says, is there a doctor on the flight? And he's like, I am. And they're like, what are you a doctor of? And he's like, philosophy. And they're like, not fucking useful, bro. Is there a you medical doctor? You have a doctor in baloney. Ah, fucking, oh, I'm Dr. Vaughn. You should go, we should go through the door, right? <laughs> I, should, I can do this all night. Uh. <laughs> yeah, let's go through the doorway. <laughs> let's go through the doorway. Really quick before we do, I hand the tote bag to Kristen. It has nothing okay. in it, but they know that the shard was in the tote bag. Oh, it's a trick. You're being mm-hmm. tricky. Oh, very tricky, mm-hmm. Constance. Very nice. Speaking of sleight of hand, should I kick the door down? I kind of want to kick the door down. I kind of want him to kick the door down. Yeah. I kick the door down. We're here now, you guys. Like, this is it. Yeah. (laughs) I knock on the door with my foot. Do do, do a little tap and then kick it in. Yeah, just like a little. Yeah, I I, I knock politely, wait two seconds, and then kick it. (laughs) Yeah. Alvin, you knock the door in. And it lands with a thud on the ground. Oh, oh off the hinges. Oops. <laughs> Before you is a kind of unassuming room. It is cramped and cluttered and dimly lit, pretty much the opposite of what you would expect from Augie or from CNL in general. There are a handful of desks with computers on them that are pressed against the walls, which are, are lined with lead. There are filing cabinets, there are stacks of folders and boxes, and a handful of peculiar objects that seem sort of out of place. And in the back, behind a layer of protective plexiglass, is a circular disc of blackened metal, perfectly flat and smooth. There are sigils etched around the perimeter, and four symbols ringing the center. Two circles linked together, a great claw, an onk, and a human hand. And a chunk is very clearly missing where a fifth symbol would be. That what looks do do? delicious. I think, I think that's... I think it... Guys, you know, I I could be wrong, but I think that's the rest of the seal. Oh yeah, it I'm is. I'm kind of hungry. Yeah. Are you guys hungry? Uh, Alvin, mm. no. No, 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 honey. No, sweetie. No, no, no. <laughs> I look at JR... I step a little closer to the seal. Uh, I look at JR and I put one hand on one of my, oh, I'm holding one of my daggers. I like lift it up as if like to motion, like, do you want me to chuck a dagger at it? Huh? Well, huh? That's the, behind plexiglass. At the, the yeah. seal? Yeah, uh, to break the plexiglass. To, oh, we're gonna wanna to break the plexiglass. Do something okay. about the seal. Being okay, there, right? I, thought, I thought you were gonna um like, try to hurt the seal with a dagger and I was like I don't think that's gonna work that's the opposite of what we're here for yep (laughs) Uh, by the way I gotta say like this amount of magic like deeply sexy like this is this is just oh man I could summon (laughs) 10 horse sized raccoons right now if I wanted to yeah Yeah, this is like Alvin is just crackling Uh, Alvin is hungry JR is horny (laughs) (laughs) I want to say that it's almost like humidity. Like all of a sudden we've gone to Florida. Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. It's yep. thick in yep. the air. Absolutely. Does anybody yeah, like anybody it's wants muggy some... with magic? Does anybody want? Do we want raccoons? I could summon raccoons. I could summon so many raccoons right now. Like Not who yet. wants raccoons? Although I do love the huh? idea of raccoon. Huh? It's like when puts a hand on your shoulder, <laughs> shakes, shakes their head. Uh, you said it's like I we're in Florida. You. Everyone, shush, shush, shush. 
and I listened for a uh, alligator man. <laughs> um, it turns out the real monster was Florida man. Oh god! Oh god. <laughs> Here he is materializing out of the ether. Uh, In all seriousness, uh, what do y'all do? So I'm actually not sure if I actually do want to throw a dagger at it because I guess my first thought was break the glass and try in some way to move it. But I'm assuming that if it's movable, it would have happened by now. It does look pretty heavy. Yeah. I'd like to look around and read a bad situation. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, Is everyone give me a okay with me doing that first? Yeah, yeah. Yes. No, no the rest of situation. us are, are just distracted by like... We're oh, hungry and horny over here just magic. feeling the magic. <laughs> God. I'm with a bunch of magic. Yeah, Pax is very distracted too. Kristen, <laughs> Kristen's like looking at you, Constance. Like I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, uh, I just feel kind of tingly. Thing. Just feel yeah. moist. It's oh, gross. It's yeah. The the moistness of magic is something they really don't prepare you for. <laughs> magic is so wet. Magical moistness. Oh, uh, that's a twelve, friends. Woo! You're on yeah. fire. Okay. I'm a little Damn. nervous, but I have too many good doomed. rolls. <laughs> yeah, man, getting getting that luck point back is Your really Your dice really know. <laughs> they know for sure. <laughs> they are in cahoots with me. Uh, three questions, uh, anything you like. For my first question, I'm going to ask, is anything that's individual, being, whatever, watching us? Like, you know that eerie sense you get when you know that something's watching you, like little prickly hairs on your back? Yes. Okay. <laughs> The hairs are standing up. Okay. I think I very lightly slap both JR and Alvin. How? Like, you get a hold of yourselves. I know the magic is moist, but look, <laughs> there is no way that this is so easy and that nobody's here guarding this. So fan out. Let's get our bearings in this mm-hmm. room. Yes. Should we know where the disc is. What else is here? Got a few more questions yeah, I do. Yeah, so you can use those or you can hold them. I'm going to hold them because I, I don't think they're applicable yet, right? Okay. okay. Then I would like to kind of move and see if there's anything attached to the disc. You head over to the plexiglass where the disc is located and you do sort of a, a little perimeter sweep and uh, no. There's a lot of instruments around the plexiglass right? and uh, they appear to be taking measurements, although of what uh, it's not sort of immediately clear, but there's nothing hooked up to it. Okay. I'm just going to pick a direction. So I go to the right of the room, looking to see if, if anything strikes me as odd or alarming. Give me a roll to investigate a mystery. Mm. Uh-huh. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Whew. There was a one in there, but friends, that's still a nine. Ah! On a seven to nine, hold one. Okie dokie. I'm holding one. Mm, what is being concealed here? Constance, I think you are searching through the room, and I think on one of the desks there is like a little personal audio recording device, like an audio log system. And on the handle, it is labeled Dr. Vol. Okay. Is there a place to play it, or can I... Might have a speaker on it, too. Or that? Yeah, I think this is one of the ones with like a, a speaker on it. And so there's there's a little UI system and you can scroll through and see there aren't actually that many entries. It doesn't seem like Augie used this all too often, but there are a handful of, of entries dating back almost two years. Okay, uh, I want to play the first one. Oh, good choice. Good choice. Always start at the beginning with your binges, friends. 
The first one is very short, and it says simply, any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. <laughs> okay, so what he watched a TED one? Talk. <laughs> yeah, let's get to the last one, and then we'll fill in the middle. Okay, you want the last one? Yep. This one is dangerous, I, I will admit, using the headset to intentionally conjure one of these abominations. But after studying the key, I believe I can monitor its movements through the headset and perhaps even guide its path. And there appears to be no other way to access the plane of memory. A Trojan horse of a demiplane is our only option. It's done. And as it happens, we are already well positioned to destroy the seal imprisoning magic. I just need to keep those three and their daylight society off my back for a few more days. Time to change the world. What's the, what's the date on that recording, Quinn? Uh, that one is, what did we say, three days ago? Mm-hmm. Okay, I want to go to the second one. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like them in order now? <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that was good, though. We didn't want, like, the last one's like, okay, I'm about to leave my lab, but just for my own <laughs> reference, there are booby traps here, here, yeah, and here. exactly. Okay, goodbye. This is Augie Vall two hours ago. <laughs> Okay. Okay, yes. Uh, Carry on. In a quantum state, all matter in the universe, every particle exists in multiple states of being at once. Put simply, at any given moment, any particular atom or subatom could be anything. It is only upon being observed, being forced to conform to our pre-existing reality that matter becomes what we perceive in our day-to-day existence. But that potential to be something is still there, bound and buried beneath a sea of mundanity. That possibility that every bit of matter that we know could be something else? That is the basis of magic as we know it. The next entry is a couple days later. The object is clearly a focal point for exploiting this potential. It's the only explanation for the abnormal number of scientific breakthroughs at the Colorado National Laboratory, many of which occur seemingly by happenstance. Absent any significant scientific basis, the explanations come years later after ample study of the phenomena discovered. I have a hypothesis, but I'll need help testing it. I believe Dr. Radescu's renewable energy research will work perfectly. The next one is almost a month later. I have heretofore referred to magic as a law of nature, however unpredictable or poorly understood. After reviewing the literature provided by Dr. Radescu, however, I believe that is a fundamentally inaccurate classification. Magic is not simply a phenomena. It is responsive to the actions and desires of human beings in some way. Whether this indicates some form of sentience or simply another unexplained mechanic, I cannot say at this time. Regardless, it is clear to me the issue is not of control, then, but understanding. Another couple weeks later. It worked, exactly as I hypothesized. The headset allows one to form a perfect image of the world as they want it to be in their mind. In close proximity, the object, which seemed to have lost some containment due to the physical fracturing, this allows for the manipulation of latent potential of superimposed realities that exist in the quantum state. Applied to Dr. Radescu's rapacious quest for advancements in renewable energy, we were able to create a non-reactive, self-renewing source of heat generation. Cold fusion, some 30 years later. It should be impossible, a violation of every law of thermodynamics, but reality can't be ignored. Magic is possible. Another month or two. While the potential of this discovery is literally limitless, I understand why early practitioners isolated the catalyst from magic. 
if not how they did so. The first test of the atomic bomb recalled to Oppenheimer the words of Vishnu in the Bhagavad Gita. Now I am become death, destroyer of worlds. If only he could see the state of the world today. No, humanity is not equipped for this advancement. Not yet, anyway. But I cannot do this alone, nor solely with Magdalena's help. We need allies. She suggested the chief. Says he has seen his share of strangeness. Perhaps he can be persuaded. A couple weeks later. We have gathered those we need, I believe. They were skeptical at first, deeply so, but their doubts vanished the moment we stole the chief's wife back from death's door. There were some complications, however. The effort seems to have tapped the object for the time being, hopefully not permanently. Such a significant change in our reality resulted in a rather nasty reaction. A recently deceased tourist returned to life, Mm. or at least the perverse shadow of it. The chief took care of it, but more study is needed to understand this side effect. What? (laughs) The chief took care. (laughs) Another test of the headset's capabilities, another messy counter-reaction. We were able to elevate Chamberlain to the Senate seat where she'll finally be able to get rid of these pesky DOE regulators, but the effort spawned a sentient, body-colonizing fungus that attempted to take over the town. Some familiar faces turned up to put it down. I'll have to keep an eye on them. (laughs) I was able to use the headset to comb the entire web for information on magic and the object. According to the files from the Bureau of Aberrant Events, the whole internet is built atop of a sub-reality known as the Plane of Memory, which contains all knowledge ever created. there is any way to free magic from this wretched object, I suspect I can find it there. Mm. Ah, uh, minimal fallout this time. The chief had to get his hands dirty, but that's what he's here for. He did help with that one. And finally, the one you listened to previously. Time to change the world. Yep. First of all, compare yourself to Dr. Oppenheimer. Really? (laughs) Really? Really? Augie. And I'm not fucking calling you Dr. Vol. Jesus Christ. She... (laughs) I think as... The five of you are gathered around to listen to these audio recordings. You hear a chime, a familiar chime, and the makeshift proto headset that Kristen has turns on, and the walkie-talkie clicks twice. Sidekick, sidekick, be there, over. Hey, something's happening up here. It looks like the the event is starting. I mean, we've got this proto headset to kind of tap in and see what's going on, so Alvin might put it on. As you go to put on the headset, you see a figure step into the doorway. 